Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All things Chelsea, keeping you up to date on the latest news from Stamford Bridge. Match recaps, previews, presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. It's the London is Blue podcast. Here's your hosts, Brandon, Dan, and Nick. Well, we are back, Chelsea fans, with another live episode of the London is Blue podcast. Thankfully, we are not... You know, we're in Fulham area-ish is, is what we've decided. Ish. Right, Nick? Just yep. near the Thames. Teetering on the lines. Uh, we've got our, our local expert here, Nisar. Naz, as we like to, to use. Uh, so welcome. Thanks, sir. You took us to a, a new pub that yeah. we, we got to explore. It's delicious. Yeah. We're in the Lots Road pub. It's a beautiful pub. It's my favorite, my personal favorite, but all the uh, Chelsea journalists have their own yeah. personal favorites here and there. But this one, for me, is the best I've been to since I started covering Chelsea. It was a strong recommendation. Yeah, I, I, I would give it a give it a five all day. Food's been good. Uh, yeah, food was great. Uh, the beer selection, excellent. Yeah, a little gamma ray excellence. Yeah. 
So, so obviously you can hear there's a little bit of background noise, but that won't distract from the chat today. Uh, more excited to be able to you know do it in person and hang out again. So uh, run with us a little bit on this one. So you know since we're on the road, we don't have any iTunes reviews on Patreon as we're traveling. So uh, we'll get back to that when we're back in the studio next week. But we do want to give a shout out to World Soccer Shop. Obviously, Nick is they've helped us you know on our trips to London. That's right. Uh, WorldSoccerShop.com. Follow them on Instagram, on Twitter. On Facebook, uh, they've been great to us and kind of helped us get geared up again to uh, to watch Chelsea at the bridge. So, go. Awesome. So, obviously, a little bit more impromptu today. So, we're going to be covering the Spurs match. We were at it last night. Um, you know, obviously, a ton of hype going into it, uh, but ended 1-3, to three, not going Chelsea's way. I didn't even bother checking score predictions afterwards and everything like that. Um, but from a lineup, in, in, you know, well, we we were on the Premier League in the USA Instagram channel, Chris Maki. That's right. And we did make some bold predictions that did not come true. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> I had a one nil. He had a one nil. Had a one nil. And we had two one. We had two one. That's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it just it kind of went in the inverse direction rather than the way we were hoping for. But uh, I thought you were gonna say four 0 Chelsea, and I was gonna be like, yeah, well, that's quite far out. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I wouldn't have placed money on that one. That would have been a bad idea. <laughs> it's not that kind of a season, really, right? Like no. big blowout we're wins not, we're against. Not, we're this not one. smashing people, you know. It's, no. uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet for us to score four more goals in any game this season. Like even two a game right now is difficult to manage. So a little bit, you know, we had some rumors uh, that Caballero might be starting goal, and sure enough, he did. Uh, but then in front of him, we did have Rudiger, Christensen, Aspilicueta, Alonso, Moses as our wingbacks, Fabregas, Conte in the middle. Not really sure if he even has any other options at this point. And then the three up top, Ed Hazard, Willian with Morata. So, I mean, I think that that's probably the lineup you would choose any other day, Naz, right? I mean, maybe Morata Giroud is kind of the interchangeable one. Yeah, no, that's the best lineup for me. You know, as long as, you know, you've got, you've got world record signing, you want to play him, you know, he's been out of form, yeah. But, you know, for me, you've always got to play the player that you've banked on. They already banked on him in the summer. They need to keep yeah. betting on him and betting on him coming good. Um, you know, he's not quite as bad as Bakayoko's been. He Maybe he's got to be dropped. But <laughs> maybe sure? he's got to be dropped. But I think you should bank on Murata, get him, get him back into form, get him playing. Um, he's got a lot to play for, a lot of motivation, the Spain team. Um, he, he needs to sort of get to 15, 20 goals a season as well. So yeah. I think that I think that Murata is worth sticking with, but obviously we can all see that he's not as efficient as he should be. And the goals haven't been flowing for the whole Chelsea team, and he's, he's a big part of that. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a scary situation, Nick, is when we saw Kane on the bench, and then worse off when they brought him on. Yeah, a guy who wasn't supposed to come back in the team until May. And on April, on Easter, on the first day, yeah. he <laughs> has risen. He has risen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, big April Fool's joke uh, from the uh, Spurs uh, media team to uh, put the uh, the May deadline. I, I, I think, you know, Naz, to me, it made sense because he's trying to make the World Cup. He's trying yeah. to be the captain. I think he wants to do everything possible. He is making a, it's a big risk for him though. That ankle has been injured a few times now. It could be bad. Uh, it's, it's a big risk. You don't want to ever play a player of that caliber and take a risk on him getting injured again. But yeah, Andreas Christensen as well, like from Chelsea's perspective, they, he was training on Thursday, but they yeah. said he was still a doubt. So, you know, Pochettino would be guessing on, is Gary Cahill going to play in the center of that? three-man defense so it's normal I guess for managers to cloak and dagger 
their lineups and, and convince. Yeah, especially after Christensen got you know, yanked off of the national team because yeah. of that injury too. So he's kind of been kind of having to play through the pain for a fair majority of this season now, which yeah. it might have in, you know led to some of the downturn in form we've seen. Yeah, it's a big it's a big ask for him. It's the pressure of playing week in week out, but also two games a week and being 21 years old. And the Premier League at a higher pace league, it's, yeah. it's going to be tough. There's going to be a point where he dips and he has dips, let's yeah. be honest. And yeah. I'm a huge Christensen fan. You won't find a bigger Christensen fan than me, but he has dipped of late, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's came out and said not having a winter break is a huge change as well. But um, we'll kind of see how it goes when we get through it. Um, you know, from a goal standpoint, as we run through these, it was Morata then 30th minute. We had one earlier that was went in, was called offsides. Obviously, from the stands, we have no idea. Um, but this is time, Zara said that it was just a hair off. Hair off. Yeah, yeah. just off. I can't, I can't, I can't handle that. Right now. <laughs> it would, would have been great too for Alonso to, to score them against them. Yeah, it, been, yeah. it was a really, that was a, a cracking strike. A great ball to the top by Conte. Yeah, yeah. He's got that in his locker, hasn't he? He's got that in his locker. He's developed it. Yeah. He's starting to yeah, turn it on. I mean, assist the week before. You know, finding Pedro yeah. with the header. Now almost found another one. I just want to hijack this moment to say that Conte is definitely my player of the season once again. Oh, by and far. It's not even any 100%. debate. 100%. Not even any debate. Yeah. How boring of you and go we, we thought when we were over here during this trip, we might like record some stuff. It was like a goofy like player of the you know, season, goal of the season type of yeah. thing. And like we, we just realized we didn't have to do a player of the season one because if it's anyone else for you other than N'Golo Conte, you've been watching a different parallel universe, yeah. Chelsea. And maybe that parallel universe, Chelsea, is where Alvaro Morata is like the league scorer, has like 29 goals. And, but yeah, yeah. If you're on planet Earth right now in this dimension, it's N'Golo Conte. Well, Morata, 30th minute, is the one who got it. Uh, off of Victor Moses' cross, Nick, what do you think about that? Uh, Vic had a real rough game. Uh, for a lot of reasons, but this was a good moment for him. Uh, we, we were partying in the stands like crazy. Uh, we have many Instagram stories that would confirm this. Uh, to, it, it was the start of the roller coaster ride yeah. because it got really high really quick, and then he, and we got to see the drop. And I think it was the deserved end product of a good Chelsea period in the first half. Uh, Chelsea were pressing; they did have three or four really good counterattacking opportunities, and Vic has struggled as of late to put crosses. Uh, in an area where Chelsea players can get on the end of them, and he did a really good job with that, I will say. Oh, I, I think the other thing, though, is it's not always been Vic's fault because they're also, you know, not players in the box all the time in Chelsea. I mean, you know, when you have Ed Hazard playing up top, and you know, he's you know sub six feet, trying to go up and get a header against many of the center backs either in the Premier League or the Champions League, it's it's going to miss the target almost every time. Uh, so it's a very, very tall ask. You did touch upon the tactics there. Chelsea were playing deep, let's remember. They were sort of playing the same way they played against Manchester City ineffectively and against Barcelona effectively. So they played that same sort of strategy. They seem to suffer without the ball. I know a lot of people hate that term, <laughs> but I think Chelsea are a team that plays better without the ball. They've got so much pace up front. Um, yeah. They used they hit what they were doing. They were hitting Morata with long mm -hmm. balls. Hazard was coming onto them onto the second ball. Quite often they looked to that approach. Willian could carry the ball, dribble. Yeah. Hazard can dribble. Yeah. So it was very much a counter attacking game. And and they were really hurting Spurs in the wide areas. Uh, yes. Moses and Alonso were effective at points in that first half. 
Um, but yeah, the second half changed. But that's Chelsea played really well in the first half, really well. It was like that alternating flank too. So once one side wasn't occupied, then you know Lonzo would have space, and then alternatively Victor would have space in the opposite attack. Yeah, yeah, created so many chances, but yeah, it's um, it was a, it was a good, good game. Yeah, it was good, good first half. But then what happened? Well, exactly right. <laughs> we got right before halftime, mm. just bad clearance, like let it go. No one stepped to Christian Eriksen, and it, I mean you rifled that thing. Willie was frozen because it moved on him. I mean, you see the replays; it moved four or five feet. I think you made the comment though when we were in the stands. We talked about Victor not clearing the ball. And you talked about how Victor was looking up three or four or five times to try to play the ball to someone else versus clearing it. I think it was a different opportunity, but the one that the one that led to this goal was that he had re- he had received the ball and William had gone on a blazing run upfield on the sideline, and all he has to do is either play it on the ground around or play it over the top to give William enough time to run under it, and he played it directly <laughs> directly into his first player. It goes to Erickson, who we know can blast the ball. I mean, he's really, really good. There's no, no other way to say it. Ericsson is legitimately their best player right now. And Ericsson was the only threat in the, in the first yes. half because yeah, exactly. there was another shot he had earlier that was sort of a warning sign and Caballero saved it, but it was such a powerful shot. Caballero couldn't catch it. He spilled it in front of him and he scrambled onto yep. the second ball. Yep. But Spurs couldn't get behind Chelsea's defence at all. They're defending so deep. They they did defend well. Um, you know, Rudiger in the second half. Yeah, Rudiger had a great game. I really thought so as well. Um, but um, Ericsson was the only threat, and they didn't close him down very well. I know Moses gave the ball away, but somebody should have yeah. been in that area. You know, one of the yeah. central midfielders, one of the wing backs. I guess it's Moses who gave it away. Maybe even a centre back steps up and does that job, but. Don't let that guy shoot. Yeah. Just don't, I mean, Chelsea have been punished by him time yeah. and time again. Crosses all shots. Yeah. Well, yeah. To me, to me, it was just such a, it was such an easy situation to avoid from the beginning, right? Like that was a ball that we all were like, yeah, Victor Moses should have no problem finding William in a lot of space, just underhitted enough that Spurs could get ahead on it and knocked it down. And I think that was the most frustrating thing. We're into stoppage time of the first half. And there's never a lot of stoppage yeah. time, so you know that. We're close to having the whistle blow, and again, the difference is going in one nothing with the win versus one one. Now Conte is yelling at his players, most likely because we are level. Pochettino is telling his players, "This is it. We're doing it." We got it's like, this. Yeah, all right. of a sudden, like it flips. Chelsea are on the, went from being in control to now they're on the descent, and the Spurs were just obviously yeah. on the ascent from there because it continued to roll. It was the Deli Alley show for five minutes in the second half. And there's nothing that really pisses off Chelsea fans a lot more than watching Deli Alley have success against Chelsea. He uh, certainly knows how to agitate. Uh, I think uh, going over to the. Did you say if he was a uh, part in the washing machine, he would be the agitator? He would be the middle that kind of stirs some shit up. Uh, he went over and. and uh, paraded around in front of the shed end, which uh, was, was maybe not a great move overall, but I do feel like the goal in which we're talking about, the, the third goal, or the second goal, I mean, was a beautiful goal. Uh, be- beautiful pass over the top. He takes it properly. Uh, Willie is so close. If you look at the, the goal side replay, just getting his hand up. Yeah. It, very, very close to saving that, but it's a good finish, and it reminds me, it kind of brings me back to Chelsea's lack of finishing this year. There have been times where William and or Hazard has had that same type of service and haven't been able to do anything with it. And I, I not that I like Deli Ali. in fact, he's, I think he's one of the most easily uh, despised players in the league, but 
he uh, he certainly did well with that. He so the other thing is like he was quiet the first half, but that's what he can do, right? He can pop up in games and completely change them. And and those are kind of the differences. Last season, all the time, Zard, even Pedro, people were popping up and making differences. And this season, that's just not quite the same. And I did feel like Chelsea had quite a few chances. Like you said, maybe Zard gets it in behind, but then his touch takes it behind him a little bit instead of like in stride. Um, you know, the second goal, obviously, okay, fine. They earned this one. But Dan, the third one, it's just a scrap. Like they had three, four chances. We just couldn't get it cleared. And sometimes it's like, what more could you have done? You know, will, you know, Caballero's in there flopping, trying to just get as big as he can because it's a pinball in there. Uh, I, I, Nick, it would be okay if I borrow uh, a little bit of your powder keg sure. to say something. Please. Um, that goal was a shit show. Yes. <laughs> it was an absolutely atrocious goal to give away. And it, it I think it's a microcosm, is a very good way of defining Chelsea's season of just bad luck, poor results. I mean, you think about the fact that we're going to potentially miss out on fourth place in Champions League. Deep Gumbly's, not, not because we lost to Spurs today, but because we lost to West Ham and to Bournemouth, Bournemouth and to Watford. Like, it's just terrible, terrible incident so there's a great ball from Ericsson that goal that sort of created the chaos it's another Ericsson yeah. brilliant reverse through ball to Son who outpaced I think Alonso and you know uh, drove into the area created a bit of chaos they just kept it alive Spurs and then Deli yeah. Ali knocks it in as his wild celebrations 36 goals in 100 games 21 years old Deli Ali is a special player um, and yeah, Chelsea were beaten by the better team, to be honest, in my opinion. I thought, but like, what happened in the second half was really interesting. It was Chelsea were the better team in the first half. We all, I think, we all agree on that. Yeah. And then Pochettino realised, even though they got the goal, yeah, great, one-one, you go in one-one. But Pochettino's still like, we were terrible. That our tactics were wrong. He changed a few little things, a few little details here and there. And then it's it's amazing how easily Spurs really got control of that. There's both the mental side of conceding just before half time, but also yeah. the tactical side. A manager changes the game up, but also Spurs just have the quality to dominate uh, Chelsea, and that's that's the upsetting thing. That's the upsetting thing. Well, so that kind of leads into nicely one of the things that we talked about over a very responsible amount of beers last night. It was the only thing to do. <laughs> I do believe that at one point, uh, Chidge uh, from the Chelsea Fancast bought a round of Sambuca shots as well. He did. Which was probably the worst way to end the night. That, that th- it, was, it, was the, it was the way, if, if the match had been a reflection of our drinking period, that, that Sambuca shot was the third goal. <laughs> the third goal. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was terrible. Um, yeah, go ahead, Brian. No, I mean, little, so the, the, the question, yeah, you know, that this is what you get, you know, you, you come out and you have the experiences of chatting afterwards with Chidge and drinking, yeah. Anyways, but the question was, who was up for it more, right? Like, we talked about this 28 years of success, of not getting beaten by your bitter rival, if you think of them like that, but when you saw the teams on the pitch, like, man-to-man lined up against each other, again, this is a fight, who do you think, Nick, wanted it more between Chelsea and Spurs? Chelsea should have wanted it more. Chelsea had all the pressure and all of it to play for. Uh, Spurs could have lost yesterday and still gone on to potentially finish top three or top four easily because I think their schedule stands out as, as probably the easiest going down the stretch. 
However, I would say, like, if, if the game kind of showed us anything, Chelsea were really, really up for it. First 25, 30 minutes, I think, got a little bit, a, a train of this entire season, a trail of it, is we score, we take our foot off the gas, and we get burned for it. And I think it was clear to me in the second half, especially as the game was winding down, that Spurs wanted it more. And I don't know why that is. And that's just my take on it. It's not, this isn't a scientific question, obviously. There's no, no right or wrong answer. But you could tell that Spurs were trying to get a fourth and a fifth at the end. And Chelsea, even on the brief counterattacks that they had, didn't really show enough. There wasn't enough fire or fight there for me. I don't think it's a fight issue. I think it's mental weakness, though, for sure. And like yeah. sort of a teamwork element as well. You know, the, as soon as hardship came to Chelsea, they declined. And then, yeah. you know, the first goal, they got slightly worse. The second goal, uh, they were on the floor a little bit. And, you know, champions should be like that. They weren't like that last season. They Correct. had the same players. Um, but sometimes it's like group mentality sometimes. There's, uh, you know, outside influences, confidence is a big issue as well. Like, these guys aren't as confident. They don't have... Diego Costa can't be phased by anything, so they don't have that element. And then they don't have, you know, players like Matic who've been there, done that. Um, There's a lot of young guys in there, and, you know, there's some of the players who struggled with younger guys. No, um, yeah, and then that's what... That's sort of a mentality issue, I think, that we saw in in that game. Um, Conte always used words like, the players need to show charisma. He's to show personality. He's trying to build that into them. Spurs didn't have charisma or personality when they bottled the league at Stamford Bridge in 2016. But maybe they're starting to show yeah. that you can learn that and you can you can gain that confidence. So I mean, maybe that brings hope for Chelsea in the future. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that does though. I think there is a certain element of you know maybe it's not fire, maybe it's mentality, whatever you want to call it. Chelsea don't have it right now, and it doesn't mean that they can't resummon that. It doesn't mean that. Next season won't be another title charge, really. I mean, anything can happen, as we know. But right now, the players in that dressing room, they've had a lot of moments to look at themselves in the mirror this year, and nothing has really changed. And and that's bothersome. That has to be bothersome. I think it was interesting, you know, and as we've talked, or you've talked about it, but for us, we got to experience it firsthand last night. Like, the fans are even brittle, essentially, of... That, that equalizer goes in and everyone were like the plates there it goes yeah. it, it was kind of hard to like re-rally in the second half and then when the two goals go in quick succession we also had to experience Spurs fans chanting is there a fire drill because no one wanted to see that you wanted to get as far away from <laughs> I was there when we lost for the first time you know like yeah. it, it just the fight wasn't you'll there you'll never forget your first friend <laughs> I never guess not <laughs> And unfortunately, I think that a lot of the fans just, they don't see it in the players, so they don't almost kind of want to support it. They don't want to be like, I can't cheer you on if you don't show me the fight, right? Isn't that kind of how like that fan-player relationship works? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it's the players that spark the fans into like a positive atmosphere. Sometimes it's the fans that can spark the players. It's like one of those... There's no organization. It's exactly. just one of those things that happens or doesn't happen. Yeah. It, it, it's a it, bit like that. It should be a, a natural symbiotic relationship. Yeah. You, know, you should have players who want to do their best to support the fans. The fans should want to be as loud as they possibly can to support the players. And I think right now, there's not a tether between the players and the fan support in the same way there was um, 
years ago when you had a Terry or a Lampard or even some of the other players who have left recently, you know, um, someone who knows about like Mikhail Ivanovich, like we've, we've shed so many players who understand what the DNA is behind Chelsea and what it means to uh, play for the badge, play for the shirt. And like they, the only player who walked around the entire pitch and stayed on I think as late as possible was Dave yesterday. Yeah, I think he's trying to take on that mantle, but it's yeah. definitely a transitional period at Chelsea. Um, you know, it's like quite a young squad, isn't it? So yeah. um, I think that's something that we point to a lot. That's where some of the fragile mentality comes in. Uh, that's also like strategy, you know, like planning the squad. Have they planned the squad well? Have they transitioned well from one era to another? Yeah. You'd have to argue not. As soon as that, as soon as that third goal went in, it completely changed the complexion of how you see Chelsea's season now. Finally, all the doomsayers, they were probably right, yeah, they were probably right. Yeah, I, I do think it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, though, right? I think that fans have had doubts about this team since mid to late October, whether or not you'd actually be able to go and achieve it. And then I think when, when the Ericsson goal goes in, it's almost like, well, here we go again, right? And so, yeah, you did feel in the stands yesterday that the atmosphere deflated a certain level. And I, until Chelsea, I think then it's up to the players to pick the fans up, right? Like, if it's a true symbiotic relationship, you help each other up, right? It, it's then up to Eden Hazard to go on a run and make something happen and, and score the goal that gets everybody right back in it, you know? And it just never happened yesterday. We never had that moment. It's like, it's like watching the club, and the club is like the main character in like a horror movie right now. And you're like, don't go in there. Like, you know what's going to happen. Like, we know that if we do these things, we are not going to get where we want to be. We're not going to be in fourth place. We're not going to be in the Champions League. Oh, shit, you did it anyway. You opened the door. You went in the room. The guy stabbed you. You're done. I mean, there's a lot of different things going into this, but a lot of it, it, it kind of comes back to why can't Chelsea hold a lead? We've had quite a few matches, especially against some of the bigger teams. We start great. We get that goal. We're on the front foot, and then it goes away. Well, last year, if we have a one 0 lead, odds odds of Chelsea finishing that game with a win, you know, in the high ninety percent, it felt like for a long part of the season, yeah. right? Yeah. Or if they conceded, they came back. There's a lot of right. like great comebacks, like Stoke. Uh, you had Diego like Costa. You in had Man City. They came back. For Pedro, yeah. you had. William Hazard, you had two double-digit goal scorers last season. They didn't play two games a week. They were playing for the one Premier League game. They weren't yeah. playing for the Champions League games, which yeah. they did quite well in the Champions League games. Been well motivated. I mean, for, they did yeah. well against Barcelona. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think that I just think that Chelsea are not the best team in London anymore. They're fifth, and that's exactly they're the fifth best team in England, and that's just yeah. where they are. I think that. I think that Conte is a great manager. I still think that, but I don't think he's a great Chelsea manager anymore. I think that um, you know maybe he's you know he's he's not really committed anymore. You know it's not really worked out that gamble of being like we'll keep a great manager even though he doesn't want to be here that much. That was the sort of gamble that was made and it's not paid off. Right. Um, but I think that Chelsea. I think some of his complaints are like fair enough. Like Burnley, the Burnley result. Um, it was a case of. There wasn't enough players. Jeremy Boga played the Bournemouth game where they lost just on transfer deadline day. Mm-hmm. That was a 3 0 defeat, but Batshuayi went on loan. They didn't replace him in time for the game and ended up with Eden Hazard up front. So there's been a lot of sort of uh, you know mismanagement at all levels, and there's a lot of responsibility at all levels, I think. And, yeah. and the, I don't think the squad's that good. I, you know, I look at Spurs' squad, I think it's not as good as, I mean, I think it's better than Chelsea's squad. I think Spurs have a better squad than Chelsea. 
even you've seen Arsenal making some ambitious signings and some deals, which they are the bottom well, of the total pool in that sense. Here's the question I would have, though, is... Is that Spurs team as good at when Harry Kane eventually goes to a different club, whether it be Real Madrid or you know, a, a larger team that goes after him? But at least they have a manager who's going to still be there, which is a big thing. He can transition them into a new way of playing, can replace that player somehow. Um, you know, it's never going to be easy to lose a player like that, but Chelsea could be facing losing players with going into the Europa League, so it could be, it can always get worse, unfortunately. <laughs> it can also get better. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. I mean, thankfully, we're a lot closer to the top than the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the 10th place, at least. Yeah. But, and no. Europa League is pretty fun, so... <laughs> yeah, some, as some the, fun visas to acquire. It says sure. the journalist who gets to travel to these exotic yeah, places. Yeah. Um, you didn't even go to Karabag, did you? Come on. No, no, uh, no. Uh, for another trip to uh, well, Azerbaijan? Well, the Europa League doesn't really start until the knockout stage, does it? The group That's stage true. is going to be the youngsters playing, so I think that it's going to be pretty chilled. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal, the way Arsenal did the Europa League this year, it's going to be how Chelsea do it next year. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a case of, might see a lot of hudson Adoy playing against Lazio or something wouldn't like that. Wouldn't mind that, that <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Those are, they are quite fun games. They are fun. Ethan Ampadu and Adoy get a lot of time, yeah. get some minutes. I mean, this basically leads into the lack of a top four discussion now. I mean, it's it's over, right? I mean, it's officially done and dusted. Pretty much. Put it away. The math, the math is not in our favor. Look, Spurs and Liverpool have to have the biggest bottle jobs ever known. And Chelsea have to win every game as well. Right. I can't see Chelsea winning every game in the Premier League. Especially with Liverpool being one of the last couple of games we have. Yeah. Second like last game of the season. And the relegation teams at Chelsea playing, playing quite a lot of them, Newcastle, Southampton, they're going to be fighting for their lives. Those games could be tough, actually. And they are, right, at the end, because relegation's sitting in heavier and heavier with them, and they know that they have to get out. They literally have to win that game. And if Chelsea have one even slight weakness mentally, yeah. then the fans will be going crazy in the away games. They will be all over it. Like when Sunderland beat Chelsea a few years ago, like in 2016 it was as well. Yeah. It was actually Sunderland beat Chelsea, but then the Chelsea went and drew two all with Tottenham, who were one of the best teams in the league, to stop to stop them winning the title. So it just shows you these these all the teams in England are pretty good, and these teams will be fighting. But the next big game is the FA Cup semi-final. Yeah. I don't think it will rescue the season if Chelsea win the FA Cup. I still think it will be poor season, but I mean at least there'll be something to celebrate, right? Well, and again, you know, those are expectations and standards. Like only winning an FA Cup, like in it, that's that's still really good to at least have gotten something out of this. And as you talk about a bit of a transition in the squad, younger, um, it's, you know, the more they get their hands on silverware, like that's only going that's to true. elevate, you know, kind of them and their ambitions and excitement. Yeah, it's it's weird going into World Cup summer as well, yeah, because it's not going to be a typical off season. You know, Chelsea have a lot of internationals, so we have to kind of see with transfers and performances how things go. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's only, I think it's worse that there's a World Cup summer in front of Chelsea because they do have a lot of things to do and get done, and this is only going to make it harder. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, I mean, yes, winning the FA Cup will be nice, but it's essentially the, you know, if you went to a restaurant and you had a really bad time and they comped your meal because it was awful and they gave you a free dessert, like, that's where the FA Cup is. It's, it's the free dessert after a really, really terrible meal. And we had to suffer a whole season to have this happen. Yeah, that's kind of my point, is it's not like the FA Cup is meaningless, right? Like, well, yeah, sure, we, we even we, haven't won it yet. We forget we're still <laughs> yeah. a ways yeah, we, out. We, we, we could still uh, go into some even worse form, which is shocking to say. At least but, there's a favorable draw. But I don't, I don't feel like it would mean this as the same as it 
might have a couple of years ago now because you have a manager who's clearly not in it right now. You know, like he's not going to be here next year. There's not going to be a updating his CV. Yeah, there's not going to be a ton to build off of with a FA Cup win. Whereas, like in years past, I think it's a big, you know, it's a big stepping stone to like success the following season. Yeah, because for a club like Spurs to win it, they've they've done they've proven a winning mentality with the manager. They're, they're very stable setup. But whereas Chelsea, they're kind of you know winning the FA Cup be a great achievement. But I guess I can see that point. But also, there's a top six in England, and it's there's six clubs going for all the trophies. It's really hard to win a trophy. Like sure. if if Chelsea win two trophies in two years, the least they can say to Hazard, look, we're still winning. Yeah, we've gone backwards this season, but watch There's out for next season. This new manager's decent. There's we've only won one thing he wants, yeah. and then we haven't won it with him. Champions League. He will go and do whatever he has to do to give him the best chance to win that one. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't even in the competition, like that worries me. Yeah, could could be could be a factor. All the players who get the offers, they have to get the offers first, though. If they're not playing well, then maybe Chelsea will be in a position where. Yeah. Be like, yeah, you can leave, but nobody wants you. Right. If, if, if Real Madrid is going to go buy one player this summer, yeah. it's probably going to be Harry Kane. Yeah. And they're going to want to spend a ton of money for him. And, oh, and you know, that might be actually be the best thing in the world for us. Yeah. Or maybe Neymar. <laughs> yeah, the players maybe not playing well enough to get their moves. Yeah. And also, funny how Chelsea bought those players with sell-on value. But I don't think Bakayoko's value has increased despite him being so young. What? And players like that, yeah. Are yeah. you sure? <laughs> um... I guess, you know, for the big question that everyone has is, you know, the 28-year streak is now over. I mean, to us, we haven't even been watching Chelsea 28 years. I, I'm 30 for reference, so. <laughs> that just kind of shows you from our international audience and perspective that I think hearing something like that happen sounds like a big deal. Um, but I guess, what do you think, Maz? And then I'll kind of tell you what we heard from some of the long-time season ticket holders who've been going their whole life from our event on Saturday. I think the pain's a big deal for Chelsea fans, but we have to remember that they've had a great 28 years. This is the most ridiculous record in English football. There is no, no bigger record between two teams in, in Premier League football than this. So this was a truly exceptional thing. And Spurs are, a, whatever you think about Spurs as Chelsea fans, they are they have been a great team. They've been at least a very good team for most of the Premier League years. So it's kind of crazy. It is a sort of psychological issue. And that curse has been broken. So now every time Spurs come to Stamford Bridge, they won't feel like they did before that game. So from that point of view, it is bad. And from that point of view, Spurs have got in the Champions League for the last three seasons whereas Chelsea will be facing two seasons out of the Champions League and one in it so um, yeah pretty bad pretty bad from that regard and you can actually say I could go as far in my opinion as saying Spurs are the best team in London that's sort of significant to fans but yeah Spurs still still, still haven't won that trophy and um, I don't know how much close they are to winning that main trophy I think that you know, Chelsea and Spurs will be fighting each other a lot in the next few years. And I think that the Manchester clubs are a bit of a bracket ahead. Um, I think the Spurs will find it really hard to particularly go for Man City. So um, I think that they, I think if they get the FA Cup as well, what a season it will be for them. And then maybe that will be even more painful for Chelsea, especially if they lose in the final to Spurs. Yeah. See, see how quickly that went from a positive to a negative? <laughs> I mean, I thought it was interesting, Nick, that a lot of the, you know, lo- local fans we got to talk to that have been here, you know, we were talking with Marco and JK and Dan and Dan and I think there was another Dan. And- Dan. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a very popular name. For them, though, it was, they don't want to lose, obviously, like 100%. But at the same time, they kind of reflect what Nas says is, 
it's been 28 years. Like, it's gonna happen eventually. And if it happens today, then it happens. And it did. But it's kind of an interesting point, I thought, from them. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, so we recorded that the day before the match, so I think it's always easier to take a perspective uh, before a match than, than yeah. right after you've been kicked <laughs> squarely in the nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was a bummer for us to be there to witness it. <laughs> For our first uh, first derby, unfortunately. Uh, At least you experience real football heartbreak. Heartbreak, though, that's yeah. what football's about. You don't experience yeah, the highs without the lows. So now, next time, if Chelsea beats Spurs in the FA Cup final, that'll be really sweet, won't it? So yeah. it's kind of that's how it works. It can get really dire. It can get good. You've got to let these things play out. But yeah, it's been great for Chelsea. I mean, the history Chelsea have created a great history, a beautiful history in the last sort of decade, and and that's something that like fans will be proud of and enjoy yeah. and I know everyone wants to see where the next success is coming and certainly football people think like that but um, you know you have got to enjoy it as well and you've got to take the rough for the smooth and you've got to as a fan I think it's easy to lose that enjoyment and just be angry about these things but yeah it's been you can always look back on that 28 years and be like yeah we beat you for 28 years Spurs fans I, I, uh, I don't think it's worth hanging a banner up in the bridge over you yeah. know it's, the, the funny thing about the record is that it was all a part of a greater aim, right? Beating Spurs at home is another step in the direction of being a title contention, usually. Yeah. And yeah, it was also fun to beat them and be able to uh, rub that in the face for a while. But I do think, I think yesterday stung because it essentially took us out of top four way more than just losing to Spurs. Sure, sure. It, it was a, because there were multiple implications to loss. It wasn't just losing to Spurs. It wasn't just losing a record. It wasn't, you know, losing at home in front of, you know, your, your home supporters. It was what it means for potentially the next season, two, three, what it means for players who will and won't stay. And the unknown surrounding that makes loss a little tougher, a little bit more challenging to swallow. It kind of ruins the season as well because all these seven games that are left in the Premier League, it could have been quite tight, even a draw. Yeah. Could have left it quite sort of tight, something to fight for, but a loss, it means like means those seven games could be a little bit meaningless or some of them. And that, that kind of isn't good preparation for those FA Cup games. I don't yeah. think it's good to have a negativity around the league form going into the I mean, they're playing Southampton, one of the worst teams I've seen all season. But you never know in these games, you never know. It's crazy that a strategy of selling your best players every season to Liverpool has yeah. finally uh, caught up with the yeah. Southampton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we, I think the kind of, you know, it, because there's that history of Spurs and everything, and you kind of talked a little bit about it, but you even have Fitty Shades of Blue saying, when's the DVD coming out now? Uh, well, he has to get with the times. DVDs are not super popular now. It's a direct <laughs> digital download. It's Who available uh, currently on all major streaming platforms. <laughs> and it was uh, finished this morning. They got a really good job. They got it out quickly. It's available now. <laughs> but I think to me it's It's, like, uh, it's, it's $4.99. <laughs> to me though, like, it's different. Like, that was funny because they were laughable. But they're serious, like you said, Ness. You say they're the best team in London. What they're building, the way they've got through the stadium transition, the commercial deals they put in place beforehand, 10 years with the NFL, they have a manager that has been there and they see a future with, they have young players that are coming through, and there's just a lot of, un, this, the stability isn't the same. It's and such we, a competitive league, isn't it? There's 
I mean, look how quickly it changes. It's ridiculous. It, I mean, like Conte said the other day, like if you want an easy title, go go support Bayern Munich or or manage Bayern Munich or or Real Madrid or, or Barcelona or PSG. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he might be going for an easy title. This is the curse of English football. Is it's super competitive, and if anyone has an advantage over you in any way, it could be it could make all the difference. Yeah. So the, and that is what Jay Kingiel Jordi was asking: is is it time to shift from the short term approach to something more sustainable long term? Is is that a summer that of kind of transition where we think maybe, or or is Chelsea going to be Chelsea? Is this what Roman does? Chelsea doesn't have to be Chelsea. Chelsea can uh, Chelsea can go into a brave new era. That's what I think they need to do to survive now. I think they need to they need to have someone like Klopp or Pochettino, the two guys above them that spend a similar amount of money. The, re- the competitive advantage they've got is they've got a manager who's building a long-term project. He's building up a squad of players slowly, gradually, incrementally to compete in the Champions League and all, all fronts. And that's the way that's the way I think Chelsea needs to go in the future. All right. Well, I guess anything else you gents want to kind of touch on before we move on to social questions? Yeah, just a, a shout out to all who went to the uh, Atlas Pub post-match yesterday. Uh, we spent about five hours commiserating, uh, and it was it was beautiful. Uh, to get to talk to everybody and uh, you know I, I think they're uh, whenever, whenever you can share the pain uh, it helps uh, subside more quickly so uh, big shout out to everyone there we, we also did uh, take a stadium tour this morning with uh, Adam who's actually one of the managers of the stadium tour program and tremendous uh, what, what a great way to take this yeah. sting out of the loss we went to record a little extra footage for some more content and uh, he, his, his humor and levity, I think, lifted all of our spirits, which were in dire need of that. Well, as it stands right now, uh, City on 84 points, they what, one win away? One win. Could be, if they beat Man United, they're champions, so then it'll be official. Then we can't yeah. say home of the champions anymore? No. I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. I got a picture of that sign today. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, it, you could say it until they have their hands on, on the trophy and yeah. they're lifting it up. I think they lift it in the last home game, don't they? Yeah. So yeah. that would be the way it goes. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. You, you could say it a few more times. So United Champions in second. Of England. Champions of England. Champions of England. <laughs> United <laughs> in get mine now. United it's in second. Be a while. Liverpool in third. Tottenham fourth. Chelsea fifth. Arsenal sixth. Um, you know, the gap is right now 56 points to 64. Eight points. We're on level as far as games played. We have seven matches to make up eight points. That That's why I think you can understand that people are, are riding off top four like we, we kind of talked about. So, and it, you know, I, that's the table. Table doesn't lie. I think that's what everyone says at the end of the season. So table don't lie. <laughs> with that, with that we'll, uh, we'll move on to our social media questions. And, and as always, we do a nice big shout out for XL Tours, Dan, who He's done a great job in hooking us up with uh, not only tickets, which were, from what we hear from people, impossible to find, but also great accommodations. Yeah, it's been another fantastic trip over here to London to enjoy time with uh, friends. First, you know, first and foremost, like uh, like Nazar here, and uh, second for the football. And uh, even though when the results don't pan out, it's nice to be kind of centrally located at Sanford Bridge to be able to take in the match pretty easily and have all the kind of push button, you know, planning taken care of for you. So Excel uh, Tour has been a great partner. We've really appreciated it. And uh, if you're considering coming over to see a, a newly formed Chelsea, the Chelsea Evolution or Chelsea 2.0 we've talked about, you'll have a chance to do that next season. So uh, you know, please uh, keep that in mind for those thinking about making a trip over next season. Start saving. It'll be worth it. 
Um, all right, so questions questions from around uh, the social media for us. The first one coming from Aerith Muggle says, what is something you learned while experiencing this defeat amongst the fans at Stanford Bridge? Nick? Uh, so we were sat in the West Upper, and I think the there were a couple of things. One, there were these uh, adorable little kids behind us who were cheering the entire match, and, uh, and they called William Afro, and wanted Afro to do something all match and it just in the middle of all the shit that was happening it was just like a real moment of just kind of taking in where you are and yeah. like those kids are just experiencing football, experiencing football through their own lens and I think that's awesome it gives you perspective to, yeah. to see see football with the joy that they see it with even yeah. on a bad result you know yeah. you still get seed and Hazard William play they're not jaded you'll get Ericsson's going to be a memorable player to see might go down as a legend too so yeah. there's a lot of great there's a lot of great things about the experience that we all we all take for granted sometimes yeah, yeah. yeah the other thing though I think is, is what we kind of mentioned previously which is uh, when when you're going through a tough a tough match, you know, everyone around you is feeling it pretty much the same way, and it's it's helpful to just after a big one like yesterday, it's helpful to just go have a couple of beers and chill out and enjoy the company because we've said that before too. Like the whole point of us coming over here is partially, you know, the football is a big right. part of it, but it's also we have uh, been lucky enough to form really great friendships yeah. and, uh, and get a hang out with people who we really uh, respect and adore, and uh, that helps. So I know if you're sitting on your couch uh, watching yesterday's match, it's a little tougher than, than if you're here, but uh, that's why the pups are so important back home. Yeah, the perspective is a big one for sure, because you know, we are coming in the most successful time in Chelsea's history. Again, you talk to fans at 70s and 80s things that we didn't know if we'd ever see top flight again. Can you imagine that, like in a day where Chelsea are League Two side, with no with no vision, you know, at, at the big boys, and we are sat right amongst at that table. So it's one of those at, in the moment. This is the worst thing in the world. Now that we leave the stadium, deep breath. We'll come back next week for West Ham. Yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. do it again. You weren't going to mention Nick the undercover Spurs fan you were sitting next to during the match. Yeah. Okay. I mu- I must call this out. I, I I really thought you were going to go there when he teed you uh, up, and you went in a different direction. I, w- I was bummed. There's a, a Spurs fan. I, the, the only reason I didn't call it out is because he was with his family, and I didn't want to be an asshole on Easter. But <laughs> undercover Spurs fan sitting right next to me celebrated Erickson's goal, and I'm oh surprised. I'm genuinely surprised did not get kicked out. Uh, but I, you know. That's not for me to do, but I was I was kind of bummed that someone gave him their ticket. I'm up surprised there. he celebrated the goal. And was, I maybe yeah. he just lost his uh, lost his cool a little bit there, but that, that's he a pretty foolish thing to do. Yeah, it was bold. Yeah. It was bold for yeah. sure. Um, so we had uh, at the best PML saying, "I think I'd prefer avoiding the recap." Uh, well, I hope you listen to our recap, though, yeah. Patrick. We don't <laughs> maybe, run away. Maybe we can help a little bit. It's it's cathartic, you know, to talk about this and understand perspective and to really think about you know the larger scope in the picture. And, and I mean, throughout all of this, like this you know scorched earth we have now of Chelsea season, like there's an opportunity to rebuild and to move into a different direction and to think differently about how the club should be run and operated and how we should progress players into the first team and what type of players we should sign and giving a, you know, much, I think, to me, I think where we were, you know, we are now where Liverpool were 
uh, when they kind of brought Klopp in. Yeah, you know, the opportunity to bring in a new manager, to give him time to really think about what the ideal structure is going to be, give him the opportunity to promote some youth, to sign some you know smart signings, not let's go spend. 40 million pounds on squad or rotational players. Let's think about who are really big or talented names or upcoming talent that we can go out and acquire. And I think that in all of this is an exciting thing because I, I don't, I can't tell you what Chelsea is going to look like next season. But I am excited because I think there are the right heads at the club to figure this out. I think that's that's exactly why I'd say is follow that Liverpool approach in that time. I think that's absolutely spot on. But yeah. So, one person, I thought this is a, a pretty interesting question from at Ultra Baseman 93 is, are we, as a club, in a worse state than when Conte arrived? No, no way. He won the league. He won the league. They were in 10th place. He won the league. They, 13 match on Beaton Street. They've got a younger squad than they had before as well, so actually, it's not gone that badly, you know, they, they, can, they can replace, it's all about winning. They can replace, like, um, you know, they, they can use these younger players to create more funds. Um, Chelsea are in a better place, and they've got that league title in the bag. That's something that Spurs don't have that you can all laugh at. Um, I think... <laughs> and I don't think, uh, you know, I, I don't think Conte going on his biggest legend ever, but, you know, if he, if he leaves, as we all expected to in the summer, but I think that he'll go down as a positive spell at the club. And I think if it was fourth place, yeah, you'd, you'd say, oh, of course they're in a better place, but... Um, fifth's a bit of a negative ending, but it's it's not the end of the world. Europa League will be okay. Yeah, and again, Sunway saying a lot of work to be done in the summer. By it's a nice way to get back in the Champions League when you win the Europa League next season. Yeah, it's the best way to get in. <laughs> uh, another one we had, you know, kind of interesting, just from you know at V Factor Seven, just you know says as a therapy session where has the desire and intensity and passion gone I'm, I'm assuming from the players Nick I mean we were yesterday we kind of were hoping for a bit more of a reaction it didn't happen and it just got worse yesterday is a, a day and like when, when we all get frustrated at certain players I think it might come with this piece of context right is the players in the media or Conte in the media will say all the right things during the week we know it's a big game we know our top four lives depend on this we we know about the rivalry of Spurs and the passion required to take something to the next level. And then I'll watch, uh, you know, Eden Hazard have a pretty poor game. I mean, he didn't play well. And we, yeah. I think we all have to be able to raise our hands and be like, hey, dude, you're the most talented player on the team. Like, where are you? You know, or like even for, um, you know, Fabregas, who clearly struggles in the two-man midfield, he played really well against Barcelona the first leg. Was you know best defensive game I've ever seen him have. Actually, I would have loved to see him replicate a performance like that yesterday. Yeah. He was just all over the place. Uh, so I, will, I say all that to say this: I, I think that the manager situation has impacted a lot of players this year. It doesn't mean that that's right. It doesn't mean the players shouldn't have come out and just gone crazy on the field to get anything done. Right. But I think that's part of where the leadership. Uh, aspect from the players is lacking. They don't have a, a central local point like John Terry or Frank Lampard yeah. who would go out there and look every single one of them in the eye and be like, this is how it's done today. We don't have it. Yeah, I think that's more likely than being a passion issue, more like a leadership issue, more yeah. like a character issue, more more like, you know, leadership from the manager as well, um, since his authority is on the wane because the players and everyone in football believes that he's going to leave Chelsea at the end of the season. I think that 
all these kind of factors mean that when times do get hard, how do you snap yeah. out of it? It's tough, yeah, right? yeah, it's uh, the the lame duck scenario. They they know he's gone. So well, if he's asking me to train harder and I don't want to, yeah. if I'm not getting the contract I do or don't want, or I'm not getting the trains I want. I can play however I want to play, and there's really no impact. Well, I think they want to play for themselves, but you, you always want to play for yourself. But you know, how much do you buy into day-to-day working, training to that game? Whereas the Pochettino's guys, they're his guys. Yeah. They love him. They, you know, everyone Spurs would have lost all the players if, yeah. if he did, they, they didn't love playing for a guy like that. They don't pay the players very much. Exactly. <laughs> what wouldn't you say though that you yeah. think that like the players at Chelsea know differently than the players at Tottenham? that if it doesn't go well, they won't have to deal with the manager yeah. in a year or two years because of a, a, tri- you know, a trigger finger approach to kind of hirings and firings. Well, yeah, exactly. And also Pochettino could put his foot down if a player is being uh, a knob, then Pochettino's a, a, a track Walker, record of Danny loads Rose, of players yeah, kicks them out. Yeah. He's found ways to kind of yeah. get the people he doesn't want yeah. playing for him anymore out of the club. And, and the club doesn't suffer when he does that. He's yeah. never suffered. So he's left out some big players, 30 million pound players, some players who, uh, you know, are worth even more potentially. And it's not hurt them. And that that's what, you know, longevity gives you authority. And that's how football goes. You know, Klopp is the big dog at Liverpool. Um, but, you know, is Conte when he's on his way out? Is he the big dog? I don't think so. No. Yeah, no, that, I think that's, you know, again, you have to have the captain of the ship, right? Somebody's going to step in and, and take the control and maybe sometimes has to get rough with the players. But there also has to be the follow through. Yeah. And, and that's when it's this late in the season, I think that's where some people are a little bit curious. So, I don't know. But, uh, Anyways, but that's what we have from uh, social media questions. Like, again, thank you guys. I mean, yes, most of them were, you guys were very upset at the result yesterday, but sure. we try not to, you know, put it in a vacuum and, and Ditto, look as at they the say. bigger stuff. So, anyways, again, thank you guys for all of your questions, as always. Um, the next day work for you, Naz, is uh, back at the bridge, huh? Next, yeah. the, next week, I'm going to be taking on West Ham. Yeah, yeah. You really excited for that one? Um, I don't think I'm that excited for that one. I'm looking forward <laughs> to the uh, Southampton FA Cup game mostly. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Naz Chelsea... loves going back to Wembley. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea needs to beat West Ham, obviously, just for just to build up towards that Wembley game. Uh, I think that's the most important thing for me now. I don't know what you guys think, but. And you'd expect them to beat West Ham, but you never know this season. You never know. And it's a London derby, and Conte has a bad record in London derbies, but let's... Oh, sorry, I don't want to rub it in. (laughs) Uh, West Ham are pretty abject to watch. I I would hope that Chelsea could get a few goals and put it away early. Just beat Southampton 3-0. Yeah. So they go into the game hyped up and uh, in top form. They've got plenty to play for. Um, I'd actually quite like to see... I don't like going to West Ham Stadium. I think most West Ham fans don't like that, so I'm not going to upset anybody. So, you know, for me as a journalist in terms of match day experiences, it wouldn't be that bad to see them go down. So, so yeah. we, we would love to see uh, Chelsea help West Ham get relegated. We'd yeah. be happy to have them do that for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, in, they're in 14th now, but we know how tight the bottom of that table is with everything. So, um, unfortunately, we won't still be here for that. We'll just departed. So, um, that's kind of where it stands is, look, another match coming up at home on Sunday, April 8th. Um, that's just kind of where we're at with now. So we're going to let we're gonna let the everything settle. We're going to get back at it. We're going to you know work our work week like we always do until the Chelsea come back after the week. And then, Nick, we're going to be back in studio doing this in the States. Not a, pub, not, yeah. not a pub, man. Not a pub. 
Yeah, the pub's been nice though. You know, it's, it's, it's a good feeling. It is. So, anyways, Chelsea fans, that is gonna wrap it for the episode. We appreciate you listening as always. But until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. If you don't want the conversation to stop, make sure to follow the London is Blue podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to support the pod, you can leave a five-star review in iTunes or donate on Patreon.com. The London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com.